0: To look at the rest of the New Testament I think we're at uh, uh you know 13 out of 17 so we're almost almost halfway through the New Testament already and so the more New Testament epistles that Paul wrote that we read we realize how difficult it must have been to remain a good Christian So when you look at the New Testament you realize this is Paul talking to churches that he raised and a lot of them have issues we realize oh okay then, You know, they were much different than us. The people that received the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ back then and saw the miracles and were close to time of Jesus, they had the same issues that you and I face today. So the word of God is relevant today as it was back then. Uh, We realize churches are not perfect, right? Because churches are full of people who constantly need the grace of God and constantly need the Holy Spirit's help. So if you remember last week, we talked about 2 Corinthians, uh, where it was we see Paul was giving an emotional response, right? Because some leaders came in when he left his church in Corinth, and he was in Ephesus, and they were trying to take over, and they were talking bad about him, lies about him, putting Paul down to put themselves up. And then remember, he, Paul was telling the churches, don't mind them, continue doing what is good. Remember how Christ, who was rich, became poor, so others may become rich Do likewise, right? Paul was saying, remember how when I was with you, I wasn't there to take from you, but I was there to serve you. So I was there to bless you instead of require blessing as these fake leaders, these worldly leaders, are trying to demand that now you submit to them, okay? But today, Galatians is going to be taking it to the next level. This is Paul's most heated and angry letter, okay? It's short But you can see Paul is really, really angry, and the reason is this, because this time the churches in Galatia are not facing a problem against Paul, but they're in danger of going against Jesus Christ himself. It says in Galatians chapter 1, as we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Can you accept that Paul is putting someone under a curse? I thought Christians are supposed to bless people. But this situation that Galatians talks about is so serious that Paul says, let there be a curse upon the person who is preaching a gospel that is not of Jesus Christ. So what is happening? Here's the main issue of why Galatians, Paul was so angry. In verse 16 of chapter 2, he says, a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. He's talking to Christians who came to know Jesus by faith, but then they were becoming confused because while Paul was gone, in that time these leaders came who were Jewish and they were teaching the Jewish believers in Galatians that now that you are a believer of Jesus, you have to follow the Old Testament law, Moses' law that we have in the Old Testament scriptures. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because when you join Christianity or the church, you realize, where did this all start? And they talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, and all that. And they're like, wow, so should I follow those laws? And then they were saying, yes. But Paul is saying, no, that is the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. I want you to focus on this word, justify. What does the word justified mean? And why is this so important? Because this is, in another words, the same word as becoming righteous, justified means you're now in right relationship with God it's basically undoing what Adam and Eve did in making us separated from God making us as the word of God says enemies with God because sin entered us we were broken and we were destined to punishment and life apart from God but in in justification, By faith in Jesus, now we're in right relationship. It means you're forgiven, you're a child of God, and now because of the uh, grace in Jesus Christ, you are now a new creation. You're no longer a sinner or a slave, but you are righteous. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, look them in the eye and say, Hello, I am righteous by my faith in Jesus. Tell them, I am righteous by my faith in Jesus. Get used to it go around everywhere telling people, I am righteous. I'm sorry, I am just so righteous by my faith in Jesus Christ. But that blessing, that good news that everyone needs, the only way you can be restored to God, the only way you can overcome the power of sin and death, the curse of sin and death ruining your life, as those of you who came on Wednesday to our, our seminar talked about how the enemy is roaring like a lion, looking up for a way to devour us. There is no way, no help we can have apart from uh, against the enemies, the works of darkness, and the spiritual powers that are trying to kill, still destroy us, except by becoming righteous because of our faith in Jesus Christ. So again, Paul, this is such a serious issue because this is not just jeopardizing their faith, but the future of the humanity. Literally, the world is the future of the world is at stake upon this dilemma that they're facing so that's why Paul in our passage today I thought you probably when I read this thought like whoa that sounds a little rough but he's calling the Galatians foolish he's saying somebody bewitched you right those are some tough words right but they actually have but then when you look at this and you realize when Paul says for example uh, he says I would like to learn verse two just one thing from you did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard Are you so foolish after beginning by the means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? What it means is this. Just like you and I, I talked about how we became righteous simply by our faith in what Jesus has done. The same thing, Galatians. They became saved by the faith in what Jesus has done, in the grace that God gave to us. However... Have you guys ever thought this? Have you ever heard of this uh, statement? My best friend used to always say it, and I always wanted to correct him, but I never have yet. But he always tells me on the phone. We're talking about like you know he's a he's a, he's a uh, he works for Amazon. You know he's a, like a really like bright guy uh, doing business and all that. But you know we always talk about faith because he has strong faith still. And then you know he's he's always like you know what God helps those who help themselves. Has has anyone heard of that phrase? God helps those that help themselves. Like that is not a true. <laughs> you know a uh, biblical saying but that's human reasoning because the galatians are thinking the same right god saved us jesus died on the cross and they're like oh my gosh thank you jesus now that i am a child of god now i'm going to do something for you god and that and, and and today i'm going to show you guys why that is such a dangerous thinking and a wrong thinking that god's not that's not the will for god for you and i'll t- I'll, I'll help you guys understand how it is that we are supposed to do good works in the right way. In fact, Paul takes it to the whole level in a couple of chapters later in Galatians 5. This is what he says. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. If you guys don't know what that word means, go ask your parents later on, Okay. But this is in the Bible. This is how seriously angry Paul is at these people. Because what happened is the people that came and confused the Christians, they were teaching them that you, now that you believe in Jesus, you have to obey the Jewish laws. They were saying Jesus was a Jewish man, Jesus came to fulfill. The Jewish law. Therefore, you have to now obey the Jewish law. How many of you guys are familiar with the Moses' law? I'm, I'm sure you guys all have. Who has a Jewish friend? Anybody has a, like a really religious Jewish friend? Who has a really Jewish friend? Okay. You can tell they're, they're different, right? Like if they're really Jewish, they don't eat cheeseburger. You can't have milk and the meat together. They don't eat lobster. They don't eat uh, crabs. They don't eat uh, some other animals. I forgot. Pig. They, they don't have samgibsar. Okay. It's a very sad life, but it is because the law says these are the dietary and these are the customary and ceremonial laws you have to do. And one of the main things that shows you that you are obe- obeying the law of of Moses is that you as a man you became circumcised. That is a very painful thing, but it was something that Moses, I mean Abraham, because of his faith and covenant with God from there Everyone who wants to be part of Abraham's family has done. But now Paul is saying, go all the way. That is really, really, he's so angry, right? But this is why Paul is saying that. He says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, which means not just that part, but which means you're saying, I sign up. I sign up now to obey the law of God because I need to. Christ will be of no value to you at all. Let's take a moment and think about this. If you are in the church of Galatians and this happened to you, I think that you might, may think like me. You might say, you know what? I fully believe what Jesus did. I believe he died on the cross. I believe that all of my sins are forgiven. I, I believe that it's a gift of salvation. I believe that now because he has resurrected from the grave, I too will resurrect. And when Christ returns, I will receive my body and I will become like him. And in fact, right now, I'm already righteous, right? I'm already perfect in Christ Jesus. And all of my life, I give to God as an offering to the Lord. That's what we all believe, right? But it does make sense that now that I am a believer, perhaps I should obey the 10, uh, not the 10 commandments. Well, of course, the 10 commandments, but also the Moses, the whole law, 615 laws together. Because why? God said it before. How can that make Jesus of no value to me? How can me trying to obey the Old Testament all of a sudden take away the power of Jesus in my life? That sounds pretty serious because if I don't have Jesus, I have no hope. I have, my life is in vain. There's, there's no point to live anymore if I don't have Jesus in my life. So here it is. Paul continues saying, Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Wow. I thought God's grace was for everybody. But how can I, this this beautiful work that Jesus did, the blood of Jesus was poured for every person, how can I stop that by becoming, by wanting to be trying to be justified by the law? Here is a problem. This is what was happening to Galatians. They, because of these Judaizers, these agitators, these teachers that came and said, now that you believe in Jesus, welcome to the Jewish laws. Here is your cheeseburger without the cheese. Here is, you know, your, uh, you uh, you know, food, lunch, a bento without pork in it, right? The problem is this. All of that is fine. In fact, if you and I today decide, you know, I'm not going to eat pork anymore, it's not like all of a sudden God's grace is not for you. But the problem with these people was because they were thinking that they thought that Jesus was not enough. They thought that what Jesus did was really great, but you also need to do this other part. And that is a lie. Because I'm going to show you guys the problem of trying to be justified by the law, truly something totally irrelevant of living your life under the grace of God. I want to begin by first explaining to you what was the purpose of the law. Then why did God give us the law? Okay, Why is the law such a big part of the Old Testament and the Jewish people even to this day? Here it is. Paul then asks right away, is the law therefore opposed the promises of God? The promise talking about Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. How can the law and Jesus become something that's reconciled instead of something that's opposed, right? Because Paul is saying that if you believe in Jesus, but then you also think that I need, Jesus is not enough, right? And I need to obey the laws. I need to get circumcised. I need to stop eating pork. I need to worship on Saturday, not on Sunday. How is that not opposed to each other? Here it is. Number one, the purpose of the law In chapter 3, verse 22, it says this, but the scripture is talking about the Old Testament because at this time there was no other scripture but Old Testament. It says the Old Testament, the law, has locked up everything under the control of sin. What it means is the first reason why God gave us the law was the law is good. The law is a light. Have you guys ever seen this or done it yourself? You go into a hotel. I've seen it on a TV show and you think it's clean. Have you ever taken a UV light to it? Has anyone done that? Don't do it, okay? You'll be surprised. You'll see all the bacteria and all the things that you hope isn't on the bed sheet, but you will see it. Just like that, the law is a light to humanity. It helps people see this is cancer. This is what's going to kill you, and this is what is good. When Adam and Eve took from the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, why that became sin was because they decided, you know what? I'm going to be my own law. 'm I myself am going to determine for myself what is good and evil and not God, so when God gave the law, it clashed. the law became the standard by which it showed, oh my gosh, I thought that was good it 's actually wrong it 's painful, just like that UV light when you do it on your uh try it at your hotel it's good, but it 's also bad because now you know you don't want to sleep there, but you also uh you also, what's the what's the bad part? Now you're like, okay, I gotta change hotel, I gotta get refund or whatever. It's inconvenient. So just like that, the scripture shows everyone what is sin. So basically, what Paul is saying is the law allowed everyone to be convinced that there is no one righteous. There is no other hope except for the promise of what God pro- provided through the promise of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So again, the law in itself is not bad, but because the law is so good, when it shines its light on people, when you read the law, you become so convicted that you hate the law. You're like, I cannot stand it because it shows you everything that is wrong. The law's purpose is not to change you, but it's to reveal to you. It's like the, uh, when you go to a doctor and you get a checkup CAT scan. It shows you everything that's wrong with you, things you never even knew. Is the CAT scan bad? No. Can the CAT scan help you? No. It would only tell you what sin is and how broken and what is killing you, but it cannot heal you. You need a different kind of remedy. That's the first purpose of the law. It shines a light on what sin is. Number two, the purpose of the law was this. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed so that the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. Paul describes the whole law, 615 of them, as a guardian. Another word for guardian is kind of like a substitute teacher or a babysitter. Okay, like when your parents go out for, for vacation, you leave your kids with a guardian, right? But now that the parents came back, right, the guardian is no longer needed. The guardian was there to help this people, this people called the nation of Israel, specifically those people, sons of Abraham by blood. Those people were chosen by God to become carriers of the law so that when Jesus Christ comes through their uh, ethnicity, through their bloodline, this whole nation, the whole world will be saved. So once Jesus Christ came, the law was fulfilled. So now everything after Jesus Is about faith in Jesus. So the the law served a limited time and purpose. It shone the light. People hated it. People thought, oh my gosh, God is whatever. They got the wrong idea. God is not evil. The law was so honest that we were just like, I don't want to get it far from me. I will just stay in the darkness. I don't want the law. And then the law, once it was done, Jesus Christ came. It was finished. So, What this what Paul is trying to help the Galatians understand and for us to understand is this very important idea. Paul talks about the beginning of this law. He says, So also from uh, for Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of God, man of faith. Paul is going straight at the point. He's waking up this Galatians. I'm so glad that none of us here struggle with this issue. Imagine if the moment you joined the church, I'm like, okay, now it's time for us, for circumcision, for all the men, and for all of these dietary laws uh, here living in Hawaii, right? No more spam because that's got pork in it, right? But here Paul is saying that before the law was given, God already had the gospel. That the gospel was that through Abraham, all the nations will be blessed and saved. And how did Abraham qualify for that gospel? The same way you and I qualify for the gospel, which was by faith alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, by faith alone. Turn, come on, tell them, wake them up. Yeah. Not by the law, okay? The law was only for the Jewish people, and it finished. For all of us who are not Jewish, right, we are saved by the promise God gave to Abraham 460 years before the law was given. So since the beginning, God has been in a plan to save the world through the law? No, 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 through his grace, through the gospel, through the promise of blessing. God has never changed. The law was a substitute, but the law is done. So here it is. I want to help you guys understand. Then what is the difference? How do I know, How do I know that I am not living according to the law, therefore against the, the grace and the, and, the, and, the, and the love of Jesus Christ? How can I make sure that I am living by faith? Right? Because the honest truth is this. We do not have this problem. Okay, We are not Jewish people. The Galatians, many of them were Jewish, and they were telling their Gentile people, as they were coming into Christ, they were being baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were telling them wrongfully, now that you are a Christian, you have to follow the law. And here is a circumcision. No. So here is the difference of what living by the law and living by faith is. Even though, again, our law is not the Jewish law, the same problem can happen to us. The problem with living according to law is that, number one, it was the law represented a life on my own. And a life of faith is a life of relationship with God. Think about it this way. The law did not require you to have a personal relationship with God. In fact, the law was like an assignment given to you that you take home and you do it on your own. It was given to you, it was written down so that you can try to figure out on your own how to live your life. Let me ask the question to you today, right now, are you living in a life that's kind of like that, where you're just trying to figure out what you need to do on your own? Then you are, like the Galatians, in the danger of living your life by the law. A life by faith is something that is always connected with God. A life that is within relationship. A life that says, I cannot live without Understand that? The law makes you think that I have the law, therefore I'm going to try. So number, number two, the law is about your five senses. It's what you can understand, what you can taste, what you can do, what you can feel, what you can hear. But the living a life of faith it requires that you live according to what God is doing and what God is saying. A faith does not come from your own self. It, it comes from what God says and God does. Ask yourself again, am I living my life based on my five senses? What I understand, what I feel, what I see, what I think, what I touch, what I do. Or am I living my life solely by what God has done and what God is saying? Third one, another way to describe a life that's living according to the law is a life where I'm in control. A life that's the same thing as number one, but pretty much you're saying, God, just tell me what to do. Pastoring one, just tell me what to do, and I'll try it, okay? I'll write down some notes. I'll go to Bible study, and I'm going to just try to do it on my own. Even though it's something good, even though with all of your heart you're saying, God, I want to do what's right, there's a difference between you being in control versus a life of faith is you're not in control. Because a life of faith simply means that when God says go, when God says stop, when God says this, when God says right, when God says left, you got to follow of the faith. Remember Abraham, right? We look at the life of Abraham who is the man of faith. He is the father of faith. He is our father because the same DNA he had, we have it. But to realize Abraham made a lot of mistakes. But one thing he did so well is whenever God said do it, he did it. That's why he was righteous. Faith isn't justice. I believe it. I think it. I understand it. So I got it. No, no. Faith is I hear you, God, and therefore I am not in control and I'm going to obey. Next one. Another way you can tell that am I living in the law or in the faith is number, number, uh, uh, number four says, when you're living by the law, you're still under sin. When you try to figure out, when you try your best with all of your kind heart, with all of your beautiful heart, you're saying, I want to do the right thing, and you still sin. But there's something powerful. When you live by faith, trusting in God, obeying his voice, you realize, wow, I am free. Finally, When you're living under the law, you're still controlled by the flesh and the fear. But when you're living by the faith, you know the Holy Spirit and you know that love is alive. Here is the point where I want to ask the question. I asked myself this question. As I was looking at this book, actually it was very difficult for me because I felt, I was convicted. I was like, oh my gosh, have I lived my life according to the law? More than that, have I been being a pastor, leading other people, maybe with a mixed message, kind of like God helps those who help themselves, that what Jesus did was great, you know, putting your faith in his grave, but you also need to figure it out. You also have to trust something other than Jesus Christ. I had to repent. I had to realize, wow, sometimes I hop the fence, right? If Paul was writing a letter to Christ United Methodist Church English Ministry, what would he say? Because Paul only wants people to go back to the what is the original, the only truth that matters about faith in Jesus Christ. I think that Paul would mention these kind of the following things. There was a verse that he mentioned that I think hits home with our situation today. Let's read this together. Can we read it together? One, two, three. Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? When Paul looks at us, he will look at all of us, interview us, get to know us, and you'll be like, wow, good job. I'm so, I'm so, I praise God for every one of you because you believe in Jesus. Because you realize you died with Christ, you have a new life, sin is dead you know, you're forgiven. You're a new creation. You, the power of resurrection is in you. But then he'd be like, but what is this rest of your life? How come it's so different than how it began? Because think about it this way, right? How is your faith in Jesus lived out today in this church in your life or how, how you grew up in the church? A lot of times I think Paul would say, he'll come here and be like, well, I'm so glad you guys came on church. I'm so glad you guys are here worshiping the Lord, hearing the message, praying together, fellowshipping each other. In fact, you're meeting like for river outreaches, and I'm so glad. But then he would be like, but I have a question for you. What about Monday and Tuesday and Friday and Saturday night? How come all of a sudden you're no longer living by faith in those times? Meaning from 1115, well, you have to get ready from like 10, from 10 a.m. to like, you know, 1 p.m., right? You're living by faith. You're like, you're seeking Jesus. You're like, I want to worship God. I want to I follow Christ. And great, we need this corporate worship, guys. And I'm not saying that corporate worship is not important. Corporate worship is important, number one, because it pleases God. And here, we're able to experience the fullness of God that we cannot on our own. God designed it that Christian life is impossible on your own. Impossible. You'll never have the fullness of God just by yourself. You see the image of God in each other people, different gifts that are shared. But here's the thing, right? Coming to this church is great, right? But then, where is your life of faith when the service is done? Have you traded your life with God for an experience of God? Are you satisfied with just having a part of your life by the Spirit and the rest of your life by the flesh? That in itself is also a problem for us because anytime. You stop living by faith in Jesus Christ. You have fallen off. You have reverted back into this life where I figure out based on what I think what I want. Paul is saying Jesus is here to give us a life that is free because it is a life of freedom in Jesus Christ. Here is a crucial verse that Paul reveals this this truth to the Galatians. He says, I have been crucified with Christ And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I think many of us have heard that verse, and we understand that that because I, by faith, was crucified, not physically, but spiritually, meaning that everything that Jesus experienced in the cross was now given to me all the benefit, his forgiveness, his healing, his new life, his friendship with God, his love that was poured out on the cross, it's mine now, right? And the I that we're talking about is a person who was a slave to sin, who was, uh, uh, who was uh, doing nothing but being a slave, who was being nothing but just a, a lost person, is no longer who I am, but I am found, and I am with Christ living inside of me. But many of us stop there, right? We're so thankful God saved us, but then... Here's the next verse that also has to be very important. It says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. What that means is after you've been crucified with Christ, your life no longer is you living according to what you feel, what you want, what you desire. But it's a life of surrender to the voice of God, to leading of God. That is how you experience the fullness of the grace of God. When, this is, when I realized this, I realized Christian life actually is not that difficult when you live by faith. But we make it so difficult. Just like this Galatians, they had it. They had the faith. But then they accepted the law and made their life so difficult, right? They can't hang out with unclean people anymore. But many times I realize I do the same thing. I, I, I receive Jesus, but then the rest of my days that I'm not you know, living by faith, it is so difficult. Why? Because I'm living back. My flesh. So friends, I I give this equation to you as a final solution that Paul explains in Galatians. Living by faith is equal to living by the Holy Spirit. If Paul would tell us, if Paul would have just one thing. To say as, as a leader in the church, as a founder of many churches, if he as apostle, as a man who was honored by God to have his words be written to us as Holy Scripture, if he could tell us one thing is this, if you're living by faith, you're living by the Holy Spirit. If you're not living by the Holy Spirit, you're not living by faith. You're living by the works of your flesh. And it sucks because all of us, we want to follow Jesus. We want to do what's right, but it is impossible without Living by faith in our lives. So think about it this way. When you go to work, right? I implore you. I encourage you from this week, right? Just do this. In Jesus' name, go to work. Right? Try that. If, if many, anyone here is, is looking for someone to marry or someone to date and you don't know who and you don't know what to do, in the name of Jesus, get married. In the name of Jesus, start dating. If you don't know where to do or how to, how to give your life or, or serve in the church, it's in the name you serve. Whenever you eat, right, it, let it be in the name of Jesus that you eat. Whenever you are thinking about, oh, I need exercise, do it in the name of Jesus. What I mean is, is, is as Paul would say to us, dear believers in Makiki, in 1639 Kiamoku Street, Christ United Methodist Church, Jesus did not come and die on the cross so that we, can have a small piece of our life be, be, be under the grace of God and the rest of our life be a barren desert in the works of our law. Everything you do, whether you take a shower, whether you know uh, you, you go out with your friends, let it be done by faith in Jesus Christ. Seek that. When you seek the Lord in this way, when you surrender your life in such a way, you will, without a doubt, overcome all the powers of this world, and you will live by the Holy Spirit. It is not easy, but it is the only way that we're going to be able to find um, God living inside of us. And so Paul ends with this uh, reminder to us, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, meaning what Jesus did was enough. There's nothing else that you have to add to what Jesus did. You are free, you're righteous. But then he says, stand firm then so that you do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Many of us, just like the Galatians, couldn't do this. We follow Jesus. We believe in Jesus. But then the next day or next moment, we're back into living our lives apart from God, like we're not even Christians. That's not an exception. That is the truth for all of us. But God is, but, but, but this is what Paul says, is that the gift that God gave, Promising to Abraham that you receive by faith is the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together in this time. Jesus, we confess right now that we've been living on our own, trusting our own mind and our own senses. We determine our own schedule and our own way we spend money, who we marry, what we do based on what I think, what I want. We have not understood the blessing of living by faith, trusting the Father will lead us in the best way that you do when we obey your voice. Lord, let there be a change of heart in all of us. Lord, because many times we have replaced a lifelong relationship with God with a church event or a church membership or a church organization or experience. But you're so much more than that. Lord, your grace matters when we are with our spouses. Your grace matters when we're with our coworkers. Your grace matters when we go to the market, Sam's Club or Costco. Your grace matters when we are purchasing on Amazon. It matters, Lord God, what we do in our lives because you want to bless us. That's your heart, Lord God. So Father, help us today to surrender all that we are and say, Lord, we trust in you. We want to live by faith, by obeying your voice and what you have done. We trust in it only Jesus Christ in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Let's all stand this time to respond.